You're listening to She Said What with your host, Alyssa Harper. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to She Said What. If you have not been here before, welcome, welcome. I have a bunch of new listeners on here, actually, all mainly coming over from TikTok. So if you are new, oh my goodness, it's so exciting to have you here. This podcast is all about people feeling like they are welcome, they are validated, and that their stories are being told and the things that they feel behind the scenes are actually being talked about. And it's a shame-free space. It's an inclusive space. So whoever you are, you are welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, Today's episode is all about visualization and why it actually works. Not just the manifestation, spiritual kind of side of it, but also the scientific side of it and what are practices that you can actually do to make this work for you to genuinely create the things that you want in your life. And sometimes when we talk about these things, it can sound very like idealistic and very like create create your reality, you know, visualize the life you want, which is amazing. But sometimes people are like very hesitant to go into something like that and have these kind of practices because they feel like it's very woo woo. It's like, okay, here we go. But it really does work. And it, so many people do see amazing results with it, me personally as well, for sure. And I want to share what I actually do on a regular basis to crash, like completely just get through the goals that I write down, ones that I don't even think are going to happen. And then they do. And why I'm actually able to get those things to happen and why so many people are able to get those things to happen. And I'll be referencing like certain articles and kind of some research and things throughout the podcast. So it's well-rounded and you feel like you leave with things that you can actually do going forward. So that's today's episode. I hope you guys enjoy this. This is such a good, like fun topic for me because it's so real and it's something that's so present in my life, but I haven't actually talked about it before on the podcast before. So here we are. Enjoy the episode. Let's get into it. So a little update on my week. I worked this week. I taught Pilates. It was nice getting back into it after my trip. And it was actually pretty hard at first to get into it. I felt a bit um, nervous to teach again. Um, It was very weird. I almost felt like the voice coming out of my mouth like wasn't my voice. Like I almost felt like... I was kind of like playing a role. I mean, it was really weird, but big imposter syndrome vibes, you know? Um, But regardless of that, I got back into it and everything is fine now. And um, what else? I went out. Um, I went to two different like gigs because my husband is an artist and a producer. And so he will be going to gigs all the time. And then he was like, come with me and my friends. It'll be fun. So I went the one night and then the other night I went to dinner with my friend and we went to the gig after and it was fun. But um, I have to say socially for me, very a lot. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty um, introverted naturally. I like to think I'm like somewhere in the middle because when I am with people, I'm quite extroverted and talkative and, you know, there and present the most I can be. Um, But I do feel as though I have a little bit of like, okay, I'm ready to go home now and not see anyone for a solid four days. I need to recharge. So uh, yeah, it was a lot, but it was good. And I did have a really nice time. Um, and that's basically it. I'm back now from Canada and living my life again and setting new goals and kind of like going back onto this journey of getting in touch with myself and my intuition and what I want to do going forward. And that's kind of why I'm doing this episode right now, because it's just come up a lot for me in the last week. I've had like probably a good three, like proper sit down moments, like with my journal, you know, sitting there really thinking, what are my limiting thoughts right now? What are the things I want to do going forward? Setting goals for August. Cause I always set at the start of the month, my goals, which we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, so I've had a lot of that this week and I just thought it'd be really cool to share with you guys what I do and also why I do it, like give you guys obviously a strong foundation to understand why it works and encourage you to jump into this yourself because it has changed my life. And I really feel like without this consistent kind of practice, I wouldn't be doing what I do right now, um, which I'm so grateful for. And the platform I have to speak on being the podcast in the first place, which by the way, just hit 10,000 followers, which is amazing and just wild to me because it's just something that I started during lockdown and was like, I don't know, maybe people will listen, maybe they won't. And it's blown my mind that people actually are here and present and getting something out of it. Um, and you know, everything with my TikTok and just everything kind of blowing up in the last few months, it's been incredible, but I don't 
genuinely think that any of that would be happening if I didn't have this consistent practice. So I'm going to give it to you. Um, This episode really is talking about limiting beliefs, your internal working model, and how it's holding you back. Um, Getting right into visualization and understanding why. First of all, what is visualization? It's just creating a picture in your mind, to put it in very simple terms, Um, which seems obvious, but I think a lot of these words have a lot of like like ideas around it, like, oh, visualization, like, oh, like, you know, manifestation, people kind of get a bit turned off by it. Um, But visualization on its own is simply just picturing yourself either in a situation you've been in before or a situation in the future and kind of creating that image in your head. And the reason that we do this and the reason this is backed by science is because your brain loves repetition, like I've talked about many times on the podcast, you create like neural pathways within your brain and it often determines where your thoughts go on a regular basis. Your brain is very good at just creating patterns and rethinking thoughts over and over and over. And as I'll talk about in a little bit, like so many of our thoughts are just repeated and we have to choose what those thoughts are going to be. So with your brain enjoying that so much, it feels rehearsed and it feels familiar. According to research of Dr. Fred Luskin at Stanford University, a human being has approximately 60,000 thoughts per day. Isn't that crazy? 60,000 thoughts per day. Wow. 90% of these are repetitive. And that's what it said in this study. Other sources that I was looking at, it said 95% were repetitive. And so when we have these thoughts over and over and over, if these thoughts are negative, right? If they're automatically negative or they are met with emotions that create a sense of sadness or dread or disappointment or not measuring up or insecurity, we are repeating that behavior and that mindset consistently. And until we break that cycle, we'll be living with that framework consistently. When you have heightened awareness around something, you focus on it more, right? There's so many examples of this. Like if you suddenly start to get into something, like you really like a car, you're like, you start to see that car everywhere. You know, you learn a new word. Suddenly you're like, oh my God, this word is everywhere, right? You pick up like a new subject, a new interest, and suddenly you're talking to people about it. And then, oh my God, everyone's into this. But it's because you start to attract that to you because you are hyper aware of it. There are new things going on in the brain constantly that we perceive through our senses, right? Mainly vision, I would say, Um, but taste, smell. Oh, my Bluetooth just went, (laughs) my speaker turned off, ignore me. Anyways, taste, smell, you know the senses, feel, everything like that. Mainly sight is a big one that is going to trigger our thoughts. And although we have all these thoughts and we see so many things, Our brain can only process and acknowledge so much. You can't look around the room and be seeing everything that you are seeing right now, wherever you are, and have individual thoughts about every single thing that you are seeing. Your brain has a filter where it filters out what is important. What do I need to think about right now in regards to what I'm seeing in front of me? Like where I'm walking, you know, making sure I can see the ground. But do I actually need to think about what type of tree it is that I see coming up on my left? No. So there are so many opportunities for you to have different thoughts that your brain is acting as a natural filter constantly. And how we set that filter is really important. And that's another way of kind of understanding what this is and what I'm talking about here. We visualize because it increases self-confidence and assurance. When we think about a situation in a certain way, and we think about our lives or ourselves or a situation in a certain way, in a certain light, with certain emotions around it, we actually get to choose that filter. For example, right, if you're thinking, "Mm, should I go on this date or not? If you're thinking, oh, like you're picturing yourself going, you're picturing it being awkward, you're picturing like yourself feeling nervous, you're automatically going to go through this lens of, "Mm, no, I don't think I'm going to go because you've looked through a certain filter. 
maybe you've had an experience in the past where you've had a really amazing first date and you've gone, oh, that would be so fun. I get to meet somebody. I get to learn about their life. I get to like, you know, maybe expand even my friend group if this doesn't end up being a romantic relationship and you go. So our decisions are based, they are 100% based out of that filter and how we perceive new experiences with our past experiences. There's a reason why people say things like, oh yeah, I could see myself doing that. Or like, oh, you know what? I couldn't really picture myself doing that. So mm, I don't really think I'm going to go for it. We, it's not just a thing that we say. It's because we do that even subconsciously constantly, right? And it's good. It is a good like mechanism, I would say in general for the brain to be like, did this work last time? No. Okay. Let's not do that thing. It helps us to not repeat behavior that could be harmful or could be just not worth our time. But sometimes within that filter, there are problems, there are hiccups, there are negative emotions and anxieties that cause us to create a filter and create a framework that actually isn't serving us anymore. Something else I've talked about before on the podcast is automatic negative thoughts, ants, right? Automatic negative thoughts. And I love the practice of going through automatic negative thoughts. When I was really, really struggling with anxiety, I did this on a very regular basis. And it was a way to rewire my brain to think in a way that was actually supporting my future experiences because a lot of the time anxiety is about the future. Um, it helped me to put a better framework around certain thoughts. So example, I'm really scared about this new job. I don't think I can do it. Like maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this doesn't come naturally to me because I'm nervous, because I'm anxious. And then taking that thought and going through the process of automatic negative thoughts I'll remind you about what this process looks like. I'm reading right now out of a journal that I've put in, I've inputted into many times, um, and it's called the Anti-Anxiety Notebook. It's made by therapists. It's based on cognitive behavioral therapy, and the process is to write down these things. So number one is, if you're thinking about a past situation, what happened, or it's what's happening, or what's going to happen, like what is the situation? Number two is what is going through your mind. So you want to describe your thoughts, describe kind of the way you're thinking about it. Number three is what emotions are you feeling? And I've talked about this before on the, the podcast. The There's something called an, um, it's like an emotion wheel. I think it's called emotion wheel. Yeah, that sounds right. You can actually Google it if you want to just Google a photo of it. It's really helpful to help you name emotions rather than saying, oh, I feel anxious. You can say, I'm feeling nervous. Or instead of saying, oh, I feel sad, you can say, I feel disappointed. And it's a little bit more um, direct to what you're actually feeling. And it helps you understand your thoughts because sometimes when we get anxious, we get so in our heads, we're like, I just don't feel right about this. I feel stressed. And it's hard to actually say, okay, what emotions I'm actually feeling. Then you kind of scale how strongly you're feeling those emotions from one to 10. You write a number. Number four is what thought what thought patterns do you recognize? So these are all negative ways of thinking. I'll list them out really quickly for you. Um, it's all or nothing thinking, blaming others, catastrophizing, whoop, That one is a big one for me. Emotional reasoning, another big one for me. (laughs) Fortune telling, so like being like, this is what's going to happen, even if it's not for sure. Labeling, labeling it as something that maybe it's not. Magnifying the negative, which is a really common one. Mind reading, so assuming that someone is thinking a certain thing that they aren't. Minimizing the positive, very similar to magnifying the negative, um, but it does feel different in the moment. Overgeneralization, oh, everyone feels this way, you know, everyone's gonna think this. Self blaming or should statements like, oh, but I should go, that kind of thing. So you choose, okay, what kind of negative thoughts or what kind of ways am I thinking? And then lastly, number five, how can I think about the situation differently? Then you challenge your thought and you choose to rewrite the thought from, I shouldn't go on the date. Like it's going to be so awkward to, if I go, I might have a great new experience. If I go, this could actually become a really beautiful relationship. If it is, if it doesn't become a like romantic relationship, it could become a friendship. You rewrite the narrative. 
Now, automatic negative thoughts, that's a little deep dive into it for you. I'm not going to go fully into everything again. I've done that in another episode, but if you guys are interested in that book, I will put it in the resources because I found it really helpful. I'm not like working with them or anything. I I, like, I'm not going to get any money. I just thought I would share this with you because it's very, very helpful. Um, and it purely is, it is cognitive behavioral therapy. When you go see a counselor, you go see a psychologist, they're using this version of therapy a lot of the time to help you work through these things. So it's kind of like free therapy. So there you go. To do this without the journal in a way that I often do it in just a very simple kind of broken down way without all the steps is just, okay, what is the thought that I'm having and how can I rewrite this thought? How can I change the narrative? And something that actually came up this week for me was this feeling that I am not creative enough that I, you know, I want to be, say, a content creator. I want to be creating stuff regularly. I want to be writing. I want to be creating podcasts, you know, even singing. Like I've always been a singer. I want to be singing. I want to be a painting. You know, I want to do all these things. And I was like having this feeling of like, I just don't have enough to give. I'm not naturally creative. And I am. I am. (laughs) I'm constantly creating. But I was having this thought over and over and over. And I decided to change the narrative. And I actually took a second and I wrote down, I had my journal out on this page. I wrote down, what are the things that make you feel creative? What are examples of when you feel creative? And I started writing down all these things, like random things, like going on a walk and listening to piano music, (laughs) like going on a walk and not having my phone in my hand, like just looking around, being out in public and seeing different people doing different things. Um, sitting up by the water, like looking over the water when I'm singing, when I'm, when I have my journal out, I feel more creative. And I started to picture myself and visualize myself in situations where I felt creative and started to even picture myself in seasons where I could be creative in the future. I pictured myself like being a part of like a Netflix series and like being on an episode talking about whatever it is I'm talking about at that time. I pictured myself like I don't have an iPad, but I do really want an iPad. I was picturing myself sitting there with an iPad. Oh yeah. I was going to say guys, if anyone wants to buy me an iPad, um, just let me know. Um, please feel free because that would really help my creative experience. Thank you. I was picturing myself sitting there with my little iPad, doing my little emails, drawing things with the little drawy pen thing. And I was like, okay, like, cool. I could picture myself doing that. And I created this whole image of my mind where I am creative and it completely changed how I felt. I went from having this feeling of like, I'm not enough. What do I have that's new? That's anything to offer, right? To this world. Like, what do I have that's actually more interesting than the next person who's doing the same things that I'm doing? And it changed all those negative thoughts to, wow, like I am so creative. I have so much expansion in the future. I have no idea what I'm going to create in the future. I, these are all these emotions that I felt around being creative. This is why it makes me feel so good. And it was so encouraging. So that's a very simple practice that you can just take away. And I'll remind you of all of this at the end of the episode, but to sit there and think, how can I take this negative thought that's causing me to feel less than right now? And how can I actually shift into a way of believing the things that are true about me that I'm just not seeing right now? Another way to do this through visualization when you have something in the future that's causing nerves, like you're starting a new job or you have to give a presentation or you have to go on a date or whatever it is, you want to visualize yourself doing it with emotions that are positive. So you want to connect positivity to your experience because so much of our experiences are linked with the mindset that we have during that experience. So if you think back to something that happened to you in high school, it's not just, oh, this is who I am right now and I'm experiencing what I experienced. No, you experienced that with the mindset that you had at that time, which is really interesting because sometimes we don't actually think that way. We think, God, why was I so stupid? Why did I stop doing that sport that I was actually really good at? Why did I let that person take advantage of me? Why did I whatever? Because you're comparing yourself then to who you are now and you're assuming that you actually had the resources, the mindset, the confidence, the whatever that you have now in that time, but you didn't. 
we want to be understanding and empathetic towards our past selves, understand what emotions were tied to that experience, and fully grasp it and understand it. And this isn't just something that we can do for past experiences when it comes to showing ourselves empathy and maybe even asking yourself, okay, what would I do now? And that can be a version of healing from whatever that past experience was, maybe a past trauma, right? Why did I let someone take advantage of me? Go into that, for example. You can say, you know what? If that was me right now, I would never let that happen. I would never let that pattern reoccur in my life. And you actually get to choose to hold the power of that experience going forward and to actually learn from it and break that cycle rather than believing that that's who you are because that's what you chose at one time in your life. And we can do that not only through past experiences, but also through future experiences. So for example... If you have to go to work today, you're thinking, oh, I'm so tired. I don't want to go. I'm just like not in the mood. Like, oh, I hate this job. Like I just have to do it because I'm trying to get through school or whatever it is, you know, having all these negative thoughts. You are going to determine what your day looks like based off of the mindset that you take into it. You will, not just in a way of like, how you perceive it is your fault and you get to choose happiness. Like, it's not just that. The reason people say things like that and simplify it and it sounds so simple and it sounds dumb is because they get it because they've actually experienced that shift into having a healed mindset in things that actually, in experience, I should say, that actually aren't what they want to be doing. So changing your mindset from, oh, I have to go to work, I'm so annoyed, I don't want to be there, whatever. We can change it to, I have a job that I worked hard to get. And although I'm feeling tired today, I'm not going to let it determine my mood. Tonight, I'm going to get better sleep, so I naturally feel more energized tomorrow. You know, maybe I'm doing this when I get home, and I'm really excited for that. I'm really looking forward to that. And you're choosing to change, not even necessarily the experience, although the experience will naturally be better because you are feeling better, and you are perceiving things in a better light. It will actually change the experience, but more importantly, it changes your mindset and it allows you to open up and create that consistency of being able to do things that you don't like. Everyone has to do things that they don't like. Everyone has days, even in the perfect job where they go to work and they don't want to work. Everyone is going to have that. And Instead of being like, no, one day I'm going to find the perfect job and I'm going to be so happy and I'm going to have, you know, this amount of kids and I'm going to have a husband who loves me or a wife who loves me and I'm just going to be, you know, so happy. Like, instead of naturally falling back to that mindset that a lot of people have that, oh, one day everything's just going to work out. Sorry, you know, newsflash, but that's not actually how things work. One day you aren't just going to magically be happy. You have to work now on changing that mindset to perceive things in a way so that little things don't hurt you in the way that they maybe do now. So not only does operating in this way with your mindset help you feel better, it actually helps your day go better. It also attracts people to you. And it attracts experiences to you. It attracts the things you actually want to you because you open up as a person and you create more of an open space for things to come. So when your coworker says to you, hey, morning, how are you going? And you say, yeah, honestly, I'm pretty tired. I feel like shit. And they go, oh, I'm sorry. And then that's the conversation. Instead of having that conversation that you might've had a million times, you say to them, oh, I'm actually doing this tonight, like blah, 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 blah. They go, oh no, oh, no way, that's crazy. Like I did this, I did this, you should try this. And you go, oh, that's so sick. You know what, maybe I will. Thank you so much for the recommendation, you know? Or you say, oh yeah, like I'm feeling fine. Like I'm really excited to go home and do this, but honestly, I'm not feeling the best. And then they say, oh, that's okay. You know, you know, maybe I can help you in this. Even if you're more honest about not feeling great, you don't have to be positive. You know, this is the thing. I'm not saying you have to be 100% like, I'm happy chappy. How are you? You know, you can still say, I'm not feeling my best, but here's why I'm not feeling my best, but it's okay because I'm going to blah, 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 blah. It shows that you've taken the time to recognize which emotions you are actually feeling. Like maybe you're feeling a little bit, you know, 
tired because you were up late last night doing this, thinking about this, and you open up a genuine conversation with them about why you were worrying about something, and you actually get to have, again, a real conversation that can provide you with value, and you've actually gone through that moment where you've said, oh, but it's going to be okay because I'm going home at this time and I'm going to be doing this, and it just shows that you are willing to be open and you are willing to work through things in life and that attracts people to you because it's not saying oh my life is perfect it's not putting on a show it's being open and available and just having real conversations with people and it's so worth it it makes your life better and it makes your relationships so much better and here's the thing the more you practice this the more you become open and magnetic to people and magnetic to experiences, the easier it becomes. So at first, it can feel very like forced and like a lot of effort. It can be, you know, every time I have to sit there, sit with my journal, I find it hard to sit down and really relax. I feel so distracted. It might feel like that at first. And I think it does for most people. It did for me. But Now, even if I don't have time to sit with my journal or I forget or whatever reason, these things happen pretty naturally to me in my mind, in the background, because I've created, again, those neural pathways and I've taught my brain to think this way. And not always, I'm not saying I'm like perfect and like it's all worked out now and everything's amazing, no, but I am so much better at not letting my emotions convince me of things. I'm so much better at not catastrophizing, which I mentioned earlier is like a negative way of thinking that I struggled with for a while and, you know, will randomly here and there. And it just helps you become good at doing this over time. So start now. Now, I want to get into what I called the deep work. I don't know what to call it, but it's really like the underlayers of what's going on and why you might be thinking these thoughts. So for me, for example, this week when I was thinking, why don't I feel creative? Why do I feel like I have this idea that I'm not creative enough to do the things that I want to do? And to me, it came down to things that were in my surroundings, for example, comparison. So, right, my husband is an artist. He's constantly writing. He's constantly going out with people who are also artists. He's like just freaking mastermind and plays, I swear, every instrument. And to me, that was actually comparison. And I didn't realize how much comparison was something that was kind of creeping back up for me because I really felt like this was something that I hadn't dealt with in a long time. And I think now that I'm starting to actually see myself working in this space long term, it's like all becoming real again for me. And so I realized, yes, comparison is something that I struggle with, with people close to me and also with just seeing people on social media and going, oh my gosh, like my content does not look good in comparison to theirs. Like, oh, and that was something that came up for me. Um, Maybe for you, it's something like that. It's comparison. Maybe it's something you've been told. Maybe it's a failed project and you just think, wow, okay, I'm not as creative as I thought. And You don't realize how that little underlying thought that just pops in and pops out can actually change the next time you try to do that thing. And I think it's important that we start to do this actually like deeper work of what are the traumas that have come up? You know, what are the things that have actually happened to me that have caused me to feel this way? And you can absolutely do, absolutely do, you can absolutely do this alongside a counselor or a psychologist or whatever, but you can also choose to just do this as your own healing journey. And that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Um, I think you can definitely go to, and you should go to, I should say, a counselor or a psychologist if you are dealing with like a mental health disorder or these thoughts are like really affecting your everyday life or causing you to not be able to do very simple things. Um, You absolutely should get solid help if you are in that situation. I want to be very sensitive to that. Um, Or if you're dealing with traumas that are related to like very heavy subjects, things that you might find shame in right now, you know what I'm getting at. Please do that if you need to do that. Um, But if you are just in a place where you are going through that healing journey on your own kind of journaling and opening up to yourself, that's okay too. Um, When it comes to healing traumas, 
memories come with emotions, right? Of course they do. A single thought can cause your palms to sweat, right? It can cause you to tense up, to have your shoulders up to your ears and to make you feel how you felt in that moment. Like trauma, if you want to call it that, or memories or whatever it is, they are very real in your body. And This is something that isn't just acknowledged by people who will talk about, you know, energy or whatever. It is scientifically scientifically backed, obviously, and very real to anyone because we've all experienced this in some form. If you do want to lean into kind of the energetic side of this and where it's placed in the body and all of that, you can absolutely do that. I'm not going to linger too long here, but I do want to quickly nest, like take a second to acknowledge it because I think it is really important if it's something that you want to lean into. So for example, this is just a little insert that I'm reading out of a Healthline article that I'm going to link in the description. So you can always go ahead and read it yourself if you would like to. There's lots more and there's a lot of really good stuff in here, but this is just a little a little, little clip because I think that obviously the body and mind is so connected and it's something I talk about quite a bit. And um, being a Pilates instructor and you know talking to people about their bodies every single day, I see so much and I see this happening, um, but you can make the connections however you want to. And I definitely, you know, respect whatever religion you are following coming into this. So feel free to skip past this if you want to. But so the, the, the insert says <laughs> nestled into the psoas are the kidneys. Now, psoas, it's near your hip area. It's a muscle group. I'm not going to go too much into detail, but your psoas is, you know, in by your hips, right? Nestled into the psoas are the kidneys responsible for filtering toxins in the body, as well as the adrenal glands, which control the fight, flight, or freeze response. Many types of pain can be linked to a dormant or tight psoas muscle, especially because it stabilizes the spine and affects posture. In this case, your lumbar spine, which is your lower spine, may lose its natural arch by becoming overly flattened or overly curved. In fact, poor posture is linked to depression, fatigue, stress, and headaches. The hip region is associated with the sacral chakra, an energetic center center believed by some to house creative energy and sexuality. It's also linked to how you relate to your emotions and the emotions of others. A blocked sacral chakra is said to lead to emotional instability as well as reductions in pleasure. When the hips are tight and contracted, it's possible that sacral energy that's not expressed remains stuck. So that's just an example of energy in the body and where things can be held. There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score by, I'm going to butcher his name, but Bessel van der Kolk, 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 I think. Um, Anyways, it's called The Body Keeps the Score, and it talks a lot about this, goes crazy into detail if you want to learn more about this. Um, And it's like, it can be a very real thing for a lot of people. And even I, which... I don't want to get too personal here, but I've had times when I've sat and I've done my kind of manifestation, meditation type moments and have actually placed my hands on different parts of my area, uh, different parts of my body in hopes to kind of release certain things and have had memories kind of trigger, have had thoughts come up and it's really led me through those experiences and I would encourage you to do that if it's something you want to do. But of course, if that doesn't really align with you, that's totally fine. You can definitely just take this episode for what it is, see the scientific benefits and see what psychologists say on it and move forward with that. But I thought I would include that. And needless to say, the body and the mind are extremely connected and we see that through medicine so much. And, you know, we can see even, for example, like bad posture can be very closely linked to things like depression and all of these things that we wouldn't even think of. And that's not out of, you know, that's not out of some book on spirituality. That's Healthline and it's, it's cited and you can go look into it yourself. So it is very connected at least to, if you want to go from a completely non-spiritual, you know, 
angle, it is absolutely connected. And that's why not only taking care of your mind, but taking care of your body is very important when it comes to your mindset. Um, And we could go into things like nutrition when we talk about this, like giving your body the things it needs, including micronutrients and vitamins and all of that. And we could go into fitness and why it's important to move your body and, you know, to work on things like your posture and to care about not just how you look, but how your body is functioning in the range of motion you have in areas of your body and how your posture sits and how open your chest is when you stand up tall and all of those things that can seem like they don't really matter if you're not someone who's into like fitness or whatever. You're just like, I just want to look good. I just want to have a butt. I just, you know, I get that. Absolutely. And, um, a lot of us want to look a certain way or, you know, we have an idea of how we want to look and, you know, when we work out, we think, okay, I'm growing my glutes or, you know, I want to have a six pack abs or whatever. That's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's okay to have goals around your appearance and whatever. I think everyone does to a certain extent. But um, there's so much to say about how the body needs movement for your health and for your mind. So be aware of that as well. It's important to rewire the brain with the mindset we want to have, along with validating your current thought patterns by coming to terms with your traumas and your past experiences. The longer you hold on to trauma, the longer you'll have to experience triggers and negative thinking patterns. And that's why it's not just about, okay, how can I fix my mindset? How can I become the best person in the world? It's also about looking at what you've experienced in the past and healing from those things as well. Me personally, I want to create the safest home for my thoughts and experiences. When something negative happens, I want to be able to house that experience in a body that isn't weak in digesting and responding to situations. I don't want to feel like for my whole life, I'm going to have something small happen and it's going to blow up my emotions. I don't want to feel that way. I don't want the smallest insecurity within my relationship, say with my husband, to challenge my trust for him or to, you know, put past traumas or past experiences with either other partners or other men in my life on him because I haven't done that work. Because A, that's not fair to him and it's not fair to me. I don't deserve to relive past experiences and even generational traumas and generational experiences over and over and over if I don't have to. I don't want to. And I think it's worth us taking the time to acknowledge what are those things for me? You know, genuinely, maybe it's something that seems something that, you know, seems really scary for you and that's why you don't want to. Maybe it seems very typical, like, you know, I have daddy issues or I have trust issues or whatever. It can seem very like, oh, here we go. You know, oh, it's everyone, but everyone needs to go on this journey. And if you don't, you end up becoming one of those people that are like in their 60s and they're just like, "Mm, the world hates me and, you know, oh, woe is me and, oh, not surprised that's going to happen to me. Things never work out. You become bitter and old. Do you want to be bitter and old? No. You want to be progressing through life and choosing to change the way you live your life for you and for the people around you so you can have healthier relationships, happier experiences, and be more present in your life because you've created a mindset, a mentality, a belief that you are worthy, that you are meant to have good things come to you, that you attract things to you, not just because it's some spiritual, I attract things. It's I attract good things to me because I'm worthy of it because I've put in the time and the effort to create a a human that is here willing to experience and open, ready to experience what life has for me. And it's a beautiful thing when you start to create that for yourself, the the trust that you begin to have for yourself, the self-worth, the confidence, the way you just see the things around you flourish because you have brought that into your life. It is magic. And that's why I think it does become a bit of a woo thing over time for people because it feels like, wow, like it's almost beyond me. I can't believe that these things can happen and it's so worth your time. And 
now listening to this episode, I don't want you to go, oh my God, like now I'm starting this whole journey. You know, when I first started to hear people say the word like healing journey, I was like, oh my God, like that's the last thing I want to do is like dig up my traumas. Like, no, thank you. Like, I don't want to have a panic attack right now. I'm good. Cool. Thanks. Um, I get that. And I don't want you to think of this as here's your homework, go to a psychologist to dig up your traumas, be depressed for 10 years, and then you're finally going to be free. Cause that's not what I'm saying. I'm now going to give you kind of remind you, I've talked about a bit in the episode and give you actual pointers on how to go about this and how to begin to create this for yourself. Number one, of course, is to write it down, to use a journal. If you're not a journaling person, I'm sorry, but now's your time, babe. Get into it, okay? Because I used to be a outspoken, I'm not a journal person. I take all my notes in my phone. I prefer to type. I don't like my writing. I don't like the idea of losing a journal. I hate having to take a journal with me. Okay, I get every single excuse. I get it, okay? But whether we like it or not, our phones are distracting. They are. I don't care what kind of mode they come up with, like silent mode, or I don't care what kind of, no, okay. You need to be separate from anything that's going to distract you. You need to be ready to fully embrace what's going through your mind right now. And even if you are doing this, say before bed, looking at a screen isn't going to be good for you. If you're doing this right away in the morning, looking at a screen in the morning is not going to be good for you. Please just take the L. If you're one of those people, get the journal. Okay. (laughs) Number two, is to be realistic and be realistic in your eyes. So I'm not saying to not go for things that you haven't done before because you haven't done before, because that would be silly because why would you have been able to do this thing before? The whole point is you're trying to do it now. Okay. I, for me, I've written down goals (laughs) Specifically, I can think of an example like for followers, right, with TikTok. Uh, probably about five months ago, I wrote down 100,000 followers. And at the time, I had like 30,000 followers. And I was like, this month, or at least in the next two months, I'm going to have 100,000 followers. That's where I'm going to be. And I kind of was like, that's ridiculous. You know, that's 70,000 followers. How is that? That's not going to happen. Like, I would have to be gaining like a thousand a day or something. Like, there's no chance. And, um, I remember thinking like, you know, that it's ridiculous, but I'm going to kind of sit here and choose to believe that these things can happen, right? Not only have I heard of this happening to other people, I'm, I know I'm willing to put in the time. I'm going to set up a plan to do this. I'm going to post like three videos a day or think something I think it was that I set out to do. I was like, these are the type of videos I want to do. This is how I want to do it. And I just kind of like created a bit of a plan to how to actually physically, yes, get the thing done. But I wanted to have a good mindset around how I believed people would perceive these videos. And that didn't just cause me to do the thing, which it did. It caused me to actually get up and make the videos, but it also caused me to speak in a way as if this is a video for everybody. You know, I didn't just talk to the 90% that was a female, my female following and constantly say women and girls and whatever, because I wanted to stay inclusive because I wanted it to be an inclusive space for all people, regardless of if my following was only mainly women at the time. And it still is, but I I wanted to create that open space because I'm so passionate about the LGBTQ community, blah, 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 blah. So it caused me to actually think that way and speak that way. And within a month, I had a hundred thousand followers like that, like literally like snap of fingers like that. It felt crazy to me. I was like, what the hell just happened? And I couldn't be more thankful because I wouldn't be, obviously that's for other people have done that for me. So that's amazing. But writing it down, being realistic in your eyes, setting out to do it and Another way to do this when you are first starting, because to be clear, I have been doing this for probably about a year, ooh, maybe and a half, maybe two years, I don't know, where I write monthly goals, maybe maybe a year, actually, probably about a year, or maybe just over. Um, every single month, I've been writing goals for myself, and this is it's been a part of it. It went from, I'm, a goal, I'm goal setting, to now it kind of is a bit more of a journey. It's a bit more of like an, a deeper unlocking, and it's it's more of, you know, manifestation and whatever for me as well. It's kind of, it's gotten a little woo-woo, like I said, um, but it started out just being goals for the month 
But ever since I kind of started cracking into what that actually looks like for me, why do I want those things? What's holding me back? What are my limiting beliefs? That's when those things actually started to happen. And that's why I'm sharing this with you guys in a more in-depth way, rather than being like, here's how to set goals. Cause you can do that yourself. Um, my next point, number three, is the automatic negative thoughts practice that I mentioned earlier. Again, you can always go back and write that down, the five different steps. You can do that where you really work through the emotions, or you can do the simple version that I gave you, which is just, here's the negative situation, the negative thought. Here is how I'm going to imagine it, visualize it in a way where it's actually working out to how I want it to work out. Or here's the negative thought. Here's the thought that I'm going to change it to, and I'm going to choose to run with. Okay. Number four is acknowledging the deep work (laughs) that we've called it or the trauma or whatever. Again, doing that with a counselor or doing that on your own. And to me, if I were to give you any tips on doing that alone and not doing that alongside like help, I would say asking yourself, what are my limiting beliefs? It sounds like a big question at first, but if you actually sit down, take time, think what are the reoccurring thoughts that I have about myself that are negative? What are the reoccurring negative thoughts that I have about my job or my future or my future family or my future relationships or my current relationships or whatever right now? What are those reoccurring things? And then choosing to flip the narrative and choosing to visualize it in a way that is separate to the negative limiting belief that you are currently feeling about that situation. It's kind of like opening a can of worms, you know? You need to kind of sit down and have that initial, what are these thoughts for me? What is causing me to think this? Um, What even are my limiting beliefs right now? Because if you do that and you sit down and you have a moment and you go, oh, that's really interesting that that thought came up for me. For me, um, about two weeks ago, one of my thoughts was that I think that wanting um, money or wanting things that are of like monetary value is, um, what's the word? Greedy, is greedy. I, I kept associating the idea of wanting things as greedy. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize I actually felt that way. And I honestly didn't think much about it that night. It was just like, hmm, that came up. That's interesting. I wonder if that's gonna come up again. This week, I was sitting down, thinking about that again. It kind of came up again for me. And then I had this thought that popped into my head and I was like, the thing that I say all the time, which is, is it a want or is it a need when it comes to wanting to buy something or whatever? I was like, that's not serving me anymore. The idea of want or need isn't serving me anymore. And I was like, wow. And I was like, like, oh my gosh, like I need to tell my husband about this. I want him to stop me from saying this. I want to challenge this belief that I have that you're only allowed to get things when you need them, right? Or you're only allowed rest when you've done work in your day. Those kinds of things that I've worked through in the past. I was like, wow. And then not only do you take it from there, maybe a few days later, you have that conversation with whoever you see a lot in your life. And you say to them, this is something I want to stop saying. This is something I'm working on. Do you mind being present with me in this and encouraging me in this? So it's something that it's like opening a can of worms. You need to kind of unpack it over time, potentially. Sometimes it's a quick thing and it's just like, oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize I thought that that's not true. That's just a, like a negative belief that I don't want to have anymore. Or sometimes it's something that is going to kind of unravel for the next little bit until you heal it, I guess, or work through it. And so I would definitely recommend doing that, doing the deep work. Um, Number five is to tie in your version of spirituality, if that's your forte, whatever that looks like for you. Um, You know, if you are Christian, maybe that looks like sitting down, writing down all the things that you want, visualizing it because we know that that scientifically works and then praying to God that it works, whatever. Um, Maybe if that is like you're a spiritual person, just, you know, spirituality in general and you think about energy and all of that, you want to go into the where the energy sits in your body and all of that, sure. Um, Amplify it with that side of you and make sure that it isn't something that feels separate to that side of you or something that feels like you're going against that side of you. Make sure that it fits in um, because ultimately you want it all to feel intuitive and you want it to feel like it aligns with you, not that it's this weird thing that you're trying that's separate to you because it won't last. 
but we know that this does scientifically work, right? And we know that our brain is actually supporting that this is going to work. So there's no reason to feel any fear around it or to feel like it is anti your religion for any reason. It's something that our brains do on a regular basis. It's just visualizing our you know, situation and tie that in if you want to. Number six is to not obsess over it. Um, I, the thing is, I don't want you to think that doing this more, like the more hours you spend sitting here manifesting, visualizing, like, okay, what color are the walls? Like the more you do that, the more likely it's going to happen. That's not necessarily true. I want you to really think of um, quality over quantity and being present in that moment. And that is so much more worth your time than feeling like you have to, um, spend a lot of time doing it. I do think that consistency is important because for example, like what I mentioned with my negative um, or limiting beliefs about money, that's something that has been unraveling. And if I didn't sit down a few days ago to think about it, I wouldn't have that thought come up about um, my wants and needs, right? I wouldn't have had that thought come up if I didn't give myself the space to think that. So I do think consistency is something to be present in. And I guess I could even be another point is be consistent, but don't feel like you have to obsess over it or fill your whole mind with it or stare at an image of someone or something that you want and be like, okay, it's going to appear before my eyes. Like don't try not to go down that obsessive route. Um, because that will begin to become kind of counterintuitive. Um, nothing against Christianity, but I did see this a lot in Christianity. And so the only reason I'm saying this is because if you are a Christian or you have been a Christian before, or you've been around like religious people, um, which a lot of us will see it anyways within our society, just because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of Christians and the way it, mm, I was going to get into a little bit political, but I won't, I'm just going to leave it there and say that it's, we're very influenced by it. Um, this idea of how much time do you spend with God? You know, are you waking up at 6 a.m. to sit there and pray to him? Yes or no? Because if you aren't, that's why, you know, God isn't blessing you, whatever. I saw a lot of that in Christianity. And I just want you to be aware that you might have this feeling like, oh, I have to do this a lot. And I have to be, I have to have extreme faith for these things to work. I want you to try to separate yourself from that narrative and rewire that obsessive feeling to, a genuine feeling of just like certainty and calmness around it. Um, my, which leads me into my next point, which is point number six we'll go with, um, is to do this in a calm, good, supported, safe environment. Um, when you're going to sit down and ask yourself these questions or, you know, do a negative, um, automatic negative thought practice or do a limiting thought practice or whatever limiting belief practice, whatever you're going to do, find a space that feels safe for you where you're not going to be interrupted and you can actually let your mind go through all those thoughts and open up and be able to express your emotions, um, however you need to. So for me personally doing this in like a cafe, although that seems like cute and fun and seems like it would be a good idea it doesn't work because I need to be able to like cry if I need to cry or I need to be able to stretch open my body move in my body um I need to be able to listen to music or not have distraction or whatever so finding something that works for you for me I love to go sit by the rocks mm, by the beach that just like really hits home for me sitting in the sun is another one Ooh, um I like to listen to like I said earlier, like piano, like really calming, no lyric piano music. I don't know why that's just been my thing recently. Um, or jazz, but like mainly piano. Mm, yeah. Um, another thing, another way I like to do this is, um, having like candles. I like to think about lighting. I like to think about all the things. Think of all your senses. I think that really is a good way to acknowledge if you're, um, giving to each of your senses for this. Are you comfortable? Are you warm enough? Are you going to be distracted by like hunger or thirst? Are you creating like nice lighting that makes you feel good? All those kinds of things. Take a second to make sure you're aware of those things before you begin trying to go into anything like this. Um, it will only make it easier. Number seven, maybe <laughs> don't allow a feeling of desperation. This is different to obsessing over it. Cause obsessing, I think is more time and <gasps> I need to get this desperation is a little bit more of like a, Oh, like I really want this. Like I just, Oh my gosh, I need like, this is, I just, this is the only way I, 
want you to step out of this idea that if you're desperate enough, if you want it enough, it's gonna come to you because that's not how things work, okay? It just does not work that way. You need to, if anything, remind yourself alongside wanting something and going for something that this isn't your only option. It isn't the end-all, be-all of your existence and you don't need to block hesitant thoughts. You don't need to feel guilt or shame around not having like faith or belief in this thing that you're going after. Your job here is not to surpass human capability by controlling your mind and tricking yourself. It's to practice mindfully breaking down those thoughts when they come up and looking at where they come from and how you're going to shift them to be to create a new narrative. It's not about ignoring and pretending. Again, anything that you do during this experience shouldn't feel like you're separating yourself from yourself. Although you're trying to work in new beliefs and new thought patterns, it is about that. It's about renewing, you know, reworking, relearning. It's not like I'm like, dead and I'm killing that old version of me and I'm a new person, you need to rewire in a healthy way that is going to only get better with time. And um, lastly, I'll just say, I think this is point number nine, maybe ish. Don't anticipate these things coming to you by surprise. I think sometimes when we sit down and do this kind of practice or, you know, we just assume things are going to work out one day, we have this like idea that we're suddenly going to get a phone call and it's going to be the record label. And they're going to be like, oh my God, we want to give you a million dollar record. Oh my God, you've sold out Madison Square Garden next weekend. <laughs> like we picture these moments. And I do think it's because we see it very um, put on like a pedestal, I guess you could say within our society. Like, oh, you know, Justin Bieber just walked up to Usher one day and Usher was like, sing me a song, kid. And Usher was like, oh my God, you're amazing. Like, that's not how shit actually happens. Okay. And a lot of the time we hear success stories that are warped and um, it's made out to be like, it's just, you know, happened out of nowhere. And yes, people get big breaks and you might have something like that happen, which is awesome. Um, But it's very important that you expect a level of just feeling sure in yourself and actually not being surprised. This is my new favorite thing when it comes to getting the things that I ask for and the things that I go after is when they happen, I'm just like, yeah, I knew it because I can do it. I knew that was going to happen because I put in the work and I set out to do it and I actually have that power within myself. It's actually when you start to do this more consistently, again, this self-confidence, like the sureness you create in yourself, that baseline level of if I want it, I will create it. And the way you just genuinely believe it, it's, it actually freaks me out now because when I first started doing all this, I did feel a bit of like... Um, imposter syndrome and kind of like I was like faking it and at first it can feel like that so if you do feel like that don't feel bad about it um but just know that with time with actually starting to see those things happen and actually getting I guess results you could say it is so empowering and it just makes you want to do it more and it just makes you want to like dream bigger and it makes you want to go after things even more because you just feel like, oh my God, I can do it. (laughs) And it's so cool. And so I just, I'm so excited that I got to share this with you guys today. I, those are all the tips I've, I have for you. Um, I hope that's helped you and I hope that you step into this and you see that this isn't some woo woo, like healing journey. That's going to take you like, it's going to be like a lifelong journey, which it is like, it actually is, but it's not like this thing that's going to suddenly be a burden on you. I really don't want you to feel that way. And that is actually an opportunity for you to change your life in small ways over time and change your mindset, but ultimately have an experience that is in a, like a million times more beautiful than you could ever imagine. And it is so worth tapping into. So thank you so much for listening. Um, if you guys want to talk more about this kind of in depth, or if you run into any things like any thoughts that just scare you or things where you kind of feel like, Oh, I just can't get myself to focus or whatever. Please reach out to me on Instagram. My Instagram is Alyssa Taylor Harper, and I'll link it um, below for you. And 
I just want you to feel free to open, like open up to me and message me and chat. Cause I chat with you guys heaps, um, over through Instagram. And it really is so amazing for me too. Cause I love hearing that you guys listen and that you enjoy it. And if you have any like feedback or thoughts about the podcast or things you want to hear about in the future, again, please feel free to message me. I answer basically every one of my DMS eventually. So let's be besties. If you um, don't follow me on TikTok already, my TikTok is the same. So it's Alyssa Taylor Harper. And I talk a lot about sex, sexuality, wellness, you know, the things, all the things, periods, menstrual cycles, all those things. Everything that I talk about here, I talk about in kind of short form on TikTok, which is a bit more digestible for you guys. And a lot of things I don't talk about on the podcast as well, because I don't have full um, one hour kind of content worth of, but I do think it's interesting thoughts and discussions that go on over there. So feel free to join us over there. Um, And thank you again so much if you guys follow the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts because it does really help me see where you guys are listening from and it gives me really good feedback on, you know, who's interested and it helps me keep going on here. So thank you so much for doing that and also for sharing it. You guys are so good at sharing it on your stories and reaching people that I can't reach because your followers trust you and they're going to relate to you. And if you related to this or this helps you, it could help them too. So thank you so much for doing that. And thanks for being here. You guys are awesome. And I'll talk to you next time. Have a lovely day. Bye guys. Ooh.